0: is Decoding Learning Differences with Kimberlyn Lavelle, and this episode is Spelling Lists We Can Do Better. So this episode is inspired by a whole bunch of parents recently asking or posting about spelling lists and what should they do about these spelling lists, especially for kids with dyslexia. What am I supposed to do you know is it is it appropriate to, for my child to have a spelling list what kinds of accommodations should i have um my child would have gotten 100% except they had all these letter reversals is that fair no <laughs> if i have so many so so much so much to say about this <laughs> okay so spelling lists the, the a traditional spelling list is 10 to 20 words, right? And it's often, not always, but often just sent home with kids on Monday, and then you need to memorize them for the test on Friday. Now, think about some of the kids in that class, some of the kids in that class already know how to spell 100% of those words. They don't need to study anything. The majority of the kids are going to know a majority of the words on that list. And then there's the kid with dyslexia. Doesn't know a single word on the list. So you're expecting the child, every child at all these different levels to all memorize the exact same list with no instruction and not necessarily the same level of home support either and take a test on Monday on Friday and all get graded in the exact same way. I don't understand the purpose of it. I know some teachers who have flat out said they only give spelling tests because teach because parents expect them because parents have spelling tests. So they expect their kids to have spelling tests. So they give spelling lists and spelling tests, but otherwise they wouldn't because they know that's not actually how you teach spelling. Kids don't memorize 10 to 20 words a week and suddenly know how to spell that word every time they go to spell it in their everyday writing. That's not, that's not how kids learn how to really, truly spell. Now, if you know 80, 90% of the words on the list, you might actually gain some knowledge of spelling through those one or two words that you're learning each week. They're like, oh, I didn't know this word now I'm going to, now I know that word, I use it all the time, you know, especially if it's a list of words that you use all the time, it might, you know, it might stick, it might help. But it's not the most effective way to teach kids how to spell. It's just a way to grade them. And I feel like it's a way to keep kids with disabilities at a lower grade for no, no other reason than because they have a disability. So it, it's not the expectation is not really the same. You're expecting the high kids to remember all the words they already know, the average kids to learn a few new words and the kids with some kind of learning difference to suddenly learn, memorize, which is often a huge weakness for them to begin with. You want them to memorize all 20 words because they don't already know any of them. Do You see why like, it's not a level playing field. It's not, it doesn't feel fair to me. It feels, it feels cruel. And then on top of it, the kids are super excited. They try so hard. They want to, these kids want to right? they're trying. So they work super hard. They practice a ton. They memorize every single word on the list and somewhere in every single, I saw this recently, every single word except one, they make a reversal. They get 10% on the spelling test. They know how to spell the word, but now on top of needing to know how to spell the word, they also have this added disability in which the letters are reversing and they they forget which way to put their letter. Now, if you make an R backwards, you're going to know it's an R and it, it makes sense, right? Like, okay, they just reversed it. If you make a B backwards, it's gonna look like a D. So that's where it becomes a problem sometimes that, and then some things, T, you can't even make it backwards. Looks the same either way, right? So like the reversals are a separate problem, but it's being lumped together. And a kid is who worked so hard and memorized every single word put in way more effort then 95% of the class to for this one test because they're so they want it so bad and they worked so hard and then they made reversals and you're gonna give them a 10%. I find that cruel. <sighs> Breathe. Okay. So it's not acceptable, in my opinion, at all. If your child has a 504 or an IEP that can be one accommodation. Um, so you, your child can have that accommodation of reversals, credits given if you know the child knows how to spell it, especially when it's like obvious like the R is reversed. Okay, I still know that's an R. The B and D is reversed. Well, do they probably know it? Ask them to spell it orally. That's another accommodation that you can ask for an oral test instead of a paper pencil test. On the IEP or 504, you can have an accommodation of a reduced list. They don't need to know as many words. Maybe they only need to know five. Now with this, be sure that the teacher, and you can even if needed, put this as a separate accommodation, the teacher will not state any of that particular child's accommodations in front of the class. Don't embarrass the kid. The kid can write down all ten words. Maybe somewhere in there we need to add in. We don't do peer grading, which I think is a terrible practice and needs to go away anyway. They can grade themselves or the teacher can grade all of them. Parent grading is also not acceptable, in my opinion. There are times where you have a parent who understands, who's not judging, who's whatever. But there are too many parents who be like, oh but so-and-so's kid, she always fails every spelling test. You don't need any parents knowing any kid's business. Please don't have parents or other kids grade each other's work. You can do all the grading, a professional, you know, assist is at the school or have the kids grade it themselves. They actually can learn a lot more that way. That, that's my preference is every kid grades their own test. Everyone puts their pencil away. You get out your red pencil or marker or whatever. You do your own correcting. You correct your own test. You don't trade. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Another accommodation that you might want, sorry, I'm, uh, okay. Another accommodation that you might want to ask for is that your child be excused from the test completely. Now, my preference would be that your child is doing something else during that time that's actually beneficial. Obviously I would like for the entire class to not be doing these spelling tests that are not benefiting everyone. It's not a good use of anyone's time. I think it's a waste of time, a waste of effort, just a lot of extra frustration for no reason. But at least your child put on their IEP, put on their 504, that they receive spelling instruction at the time when the rest of the class is taking a spelling test. Appropriate individualized spelling instruction based on what they actually need to learn how to spell, where they are at in their spelling development. Not the same spelling list that everyone else is doing, which is often a terrible list. Okay. Um, which, I mean, that's, that's one of my other issues with, you know, if we kind of go back, that's one of my other issues with traditional spelling lists is too often. It's, where did these little words come from? Oh, they came from the story we we're reading this week. Okay, that's appropriate for vocabulary. It's not appropriate for spelling instruction. Unless you have a phonics-based text that you're reading this week, and you're only giving, you know, like, there are situations where I could see a spelling list being appropriate. But again, like I said, when it's, here's the list, memorize it by Friday, and no instruction is given, and it's not at... It's not based on a child's actual current ability to spell. It it makes no sense to me. There are are ways that you can actually, you know, this is our spelling group. This is our reading group. We're all working on this. Together, because we're all together in this small group, working on this spelling pattern, we're going to have a list on the spelling pattern on Friday. There doesn't need to be a list to memorize, though. You're checking on Friday to see if they know the the pattern. And ideally, you're checking every single day as part of instruction. It's not a grade. And that's a different issue. I'm not. Why are we grading? Like, everyone's so like hung up on grades. Like, can we, like, let it go. Does the child know what they need to know? No? Okay, teach it to them. Okay. All right. <sighs> um, and then the other part of it, My other, my other problem with traditional tests is that every kid, that every kid and every list, whatever it's all or nothing. So even in that example of the kid knew every single word, hundred percent, but made reversals. Okay. Give partial credit at the very least, right? If we're, If we're only, if every word is, you got it completely right or completely wrong, you're missing out on the amazing amount of progress that child made. Last week, that child wasn't even using vowels in any of their words, and now they have every single sound represented, but some are reversed. Okay, give them 75% credit for each of those words. Three out of four points. You know, every word is worth four points. When it's done that way. I typically have it set up where each phoneme is one, or each grapheme, I should say, each grapheme is one point. So in the word skip, there are four sounds represented by four letters. It's four points. In the word shrug. You have sh, er, uh, g. There's five letters, but it's, the sh is one grapheme. It's one phoneme, it's one grapheme, the, the sh sound, right? So it's still just four points. There's four sounds. They need the sh together. I I would, you know, and, you, and then you get points for how many sounds of, of each word you know. Yes, this takes a lot longer to grade but it gives you more information on whether or not the child is actually learning how to spell. Our job as teachers, and even though I'm not in the classroom this year, I will always be a teacher. Our job as teachers is to teach, not to grade. If you're prioritizing the ease of grading over the education your students are receiving, you should not be teaching prioritize the children actually learning. If you're not grading in a way that shows you what they actually need to work on, oh look, they're missing all of their medial sounds in these CVC words. They're mixing up all the short vowel sounds. You know, they're always getting the consonant, the fi- the initial consonant and the, the final consonant correct, but that that middle sound, they're not getting that. They're getting confused. We need to work a lot harder on our short vowel sounds instead of zero. And the kid had a sound there. And last week they didn't have any cons- vowel sounds at all. It was just the initial and the middle and the final. And there was, there was just two letters for a three letter word. Now they've got three letters. Yay. They're making progress, right? It's progress. Give them credit. I get I get worked up about a lot of things. Okay. So let's let's go back to those accommodations. Credit for is given for spelling reversals or at least partial credit. So that's an accommodation you can ask for. You can ask for the test to be given orally instead of paper pencil if your child does better that way. And preferably in a private setting where like, you know, you don't want them like performing in front of the class unless they want to perform in front of the class. Every kid's different. Not every kid is embarrassed about not being able to spell or having difficulty or speaking in front of the class. I would be mortified. Not everyone is. Okay. I mean, I just don't like speaking in front of people in general, (laughs) despite having the podcast. Okay. Um, being excused from the test completely. And I would put in an alternate appropriate spelling instruction is given at that time instead, in an alternate setting. At the time that a spelling test is given in class, student will go to the SAI classroom, Specialized Academic Instruction classroom for spelling instruction at their level. based on, right? Like really lay it out that when everyone else is giving the te- getting the test, this kid is gonna go here. And it, it's harder to put into the IEP. You can, it just gets length, the wording gets lengthy. Don't have it be like, oh, everyone, it's time for spelling. Oh, that means you need to go. The teacher is not yelling at Johnny to leave because it's time for a spelling test. That's embarrassing for Johnny unless it's not, but still, don't do that. Say, okay, after recess, we'll have our spelling test. And every Friday after recess, is spelling test, so you know that after recess, Johnny just goes straight to the SAI classroom, doesn't, doesn't come in for the spelling test. You don't have to say, because we're doing a spelling test, you can't be in here. The, the teachers need to not be cruel. Okay. Um, what else that uh, we talked about? An alternate list. So as I was talking about before, like if part of your instruction in your group, and I keep acting like I'm talking to teachers. I know I'm talking to parents for the most part. You can send this to the teacher. Um, but, but think about it in terms of like what you should expect from a teacher with, that has compassion, what good teaching can look like, should look like, sorry. Um, and, and, and what to ask for, like what to be sure your kid is getting. And then also you can send this to the teacher, like, this is really what you should be doing. You need to get yelled at by, <laughs> by Kimberly. Um, I know I, I've not been a Jenna teacher, except when I was forced to substitute as one, but not a a true Jenna teacher doing all the things. I know their job is very hard. They knew my job was very hard. At least most of them did. And we had mutual respect, I think. So I know, I just wanna remind teachers of why they are teaching. It is to teach, not to judge, not to grade, and not to make poor Johnny feel bad that they have a learning disability. You just need to teach Johnny the very best that you can. And here's what you can do. So if the teacher has, in instru- as part of their instruction, their small group instruction, we're working on the AI pattern this week in our reading and in our spelling, or maybe it's just in spelling, they've already mastered it in reading. Spelling tends to be a little delayed compared to reading because when you're reading, you don't need to figure out whether or not AI is happening. It's already there. It's laid out. You just know it. You see AI, you say A. However, when you're trying to spell something that has A in it, do I use AI? Do I use A consonant E? Do I use E-A-I-G-H? What do I use here? So there's different patterns, right? So in our spelling this week, we're working on the AI pattern. We're talking about when it shows up, where we would not see it. So I might At the very most, I might combine an A-I and an A-Y pattern to show that difference so that they know that A-I doesn't show up at the end of a word. A-Y shows up at the end of a word, but in the middle of a word, it's gonna be the A-I. So that's all I'm working on. That's what we're talking about this week. On Friday, we're gonna take our assessment. You're gonna get a hundred percent. You should expect your students, your child to go into class being able to get a hundred percent without trying to memorize out of context words, right? Like they don't, they shouldn't have to have a list of AI words that they're going to take a test on. We're just going to take a test or just don't take a test because you're doing constant things. If it's small group, you know, whether or not they get it. If it's a bigger group that you're all in the class doing, then yes, do a test at the end of the week to make sure everyone has that pattern and understands it and then pull the, and then you're expecting the teacher to pull the small group to work on it and make sure they get it, or you can follow up. And, you know, if you see your kid came home, they weren't able to do the test because they didn't actually master it. Um, and it it could go home with the thing being sent home. Instead of a list of words is this, we're talking about the fact that AI shows up in the middle of words, a Y shows up at the end of words. This is our list, or the, instead of a list where this is what we're being tested on, on Friday, go over this concept with your child. And then you can just play games with your child going over that or look at words or notice or practice a variety of words yourself that have those patterns. And they can send home a list of like possible words, you know, like just big lists of words that all have AI patterns and AY patterns. And we're just gonna test on 10 of them. You don't have to memorize every single word because you know how to sound out, you know, separate all the sounds in the word. Your child knows that it's an ai pattern that we're working on this week like they have all the pieces they should be successful <sighs> okay if they're not getting that kind of instruction in the gen ed class hopefully they're getting intensive spelling instruction in their sai class if they're on an iep and they're getting specialized academic instruction hopefully they're getting individualized spelling instruction in that setting. If not, ask that it be added. If you get pushback, delve a little deeper, we need to work on it. And then your, your child spelling list could simply be based off of this, the, the teacher, the SAI teacher makes a list. These are, 10 words that your child has mastered in the past, they should know practice with them at home this week to make sure they know it. They can take a test on it on Friday instead of taking the test that the rest of the class is taking. So they can have an alternate individualized list based on the spelling patterns that they have mastered in the SAI setting. That's another accommodation. Click. If you're watching this, listening to this, Click the link or go below the video on the web page. I've got all of this listed out so that you don't have to like try to listen and take the notes or look at the notes on the podcast. It should be in there too. So look for it. it it's there. I've written this out for you. Another accommodation is that there can be an informal progress check with no set list memorized, just an assessment on patterns mastered like we've talked about or no test at all because I'm just constantly evaluating as part of my small group instruction. I can see whether or not the kid knows it. They don't know it. I keep practicing. Right. Okay. Um, it can be that, you know, everybody in class gets sent home a weekly spelling list. Your kid does all the spelling activities for homework or not because is it even helping? but maybe you're okay with your child doing the spelling act practice for homework, but they're not going to be tested on the list at the end of the week. They're putting it into action. They're doing some stuff with the list, but they're, it's like, it's a partial thing or they they just have to do one spelling activity with it or they don't do any, because if they're not at that level, it's often just painful and not helpful. And then we also talked about that partial credit, where you're like really, really paying attention to all of the phonograms, and um, I'm like, I have as an example below is ship, sh ip, three points, right? You get all or nothing, but maybe the next word is flip. So now you have f-l-i-p. They're both four-letter words, but the ship is worth three points because sh is one pattern together. If you're missing one of those pieces, you don't have it. This is how I would do it. Flip, I would have as four. F-l-i-p. Um, you can also just grade based off of each letter. It <laughs> Whatever. Um, and then if I had something like rain, we were talking about that AI pattern, right? So rain, a r-a, it's those two sounds, the two letters making one sound, AI making one sound together, r-a-n, and I'm thinking of rain falling from the sky, not a king's rain, which would still just be three sounds, but maybe you do give points for every letter in that case because it's a lot of letters to try to remember and, and maybe they got partial credit. Maybe they remembered the G, but they may they put an A instead of an E because that kind of makes sense. Right? So they can decide how you're gonna do it, but you can say something about partial credit based on phonograms or based on the number of on each letter in the word or the more specific you are though in your child's accommodation, on the IEP or the 504, the more specific it is, the more you can actually picture what that is really gonna look like, the more, the easier it is for the teacher to implement it correctly. And for it not to just be like, well, this teacher does it this way, and this teacher does it this way, and this teacher does it this way, which happens all the time. There's things on like the, the IEP software that I was using, there'd be like a drop-down list and they were so vague. It was frustrating, but it was kind of sometimes um, awkward also type it in, but we could. So ask for the details. I think it, I think it does make a difference. You know, If it's extra time, extra time on what, when, why, how, where, t- to how much like there's so many questions I have about what does that mean? So, it's vague. And then they're like, oh, well, you know, I'll give it to them if they ask for it or anyway, that's, that's a different conversation. Okay. So we've talked about the problem I have with the um, spelling tests. We've talked about accommodations that we can make on their IEP and their 504 for it to be a better experience. But I also want you to know that there is a better way to teach spelling. (laughs) There, and the teachers can just do this instead and everybody benefits, everybody benefits. In English, there, and depending on who you look at, there's about 30, 31 spelling rules that account for around 95% of all English words. They can all, 95% of all English words can be explained through these 31 spelling rules. And the other 5% of the words are mostly all words that are not English words. They're borrowed from other languages and we kept these spellings. So they might break one of those 31 rules because They're not actually English words. We just use them. So in some languages, when they borrow a word from another language, they change the spelling to match their own spelling rules. We sometimes do that. We often don't. We often just keep that as, okay, sure. We'll just use that spelling. That's fine. Sorry, it was noisy out there. Um, So we can teach children those 31 rules. If we teach them, they can become proficient readers, proficient spellers in a systematic way. And they know, like, they can put it into practice. They can become good spellers. And this is something that all kids can access. So ideally... Then this is not something that like, oh, 31 rules, let's just do one rule a week, and then we'll have them all by the end of the school year. This is something you could do that, but you also want the next grade level and the next grade level to do the same thing because it's constantly reinforcing. And even some of the rules reinforce each other. One of the rules in English is that English words do not end in I, U, V, or J. Now you're thinking of exceptions, there's plenty, well, there's not plenty. There's a few, most of them are borrowed words or like the word, hi, which as far as I know, it, it's it's kind of, it's more of an exception. Um, I can't remember all the details to it, but, but if you know, okay, well, that one isn't, but in general, when I'm spelling, I'm not gonna end a word with I or U or V or J. I know that that's not coming at the end of a word. So what other, what am I going to do instead? Right? So the word blue needs an E at the end because English words don't end in U. B-L-U-E. There you go. That's why it's there. And then there's also, you know, what all the, all the, um, all the jobs of E, one of the jobs of E is, to not leave English words ending in I, U, V, or J. So the word blue or give, G-I-V-E, is, obviously it's not give, that E is not there to make the I a long vowel sound. It's there to so that V is not at the end of the word because English words do not end in I, U, V, or J. So, and you might not have known that. A lot of us didn't because we weren't taught all these things, but we can learn them. If you are interested and want to learn them yourself, I recommend um, Uncovering the Logic of English by, I hope I'm saying her name right, Denise Eide, E-I-D-E. It goes through all these rules. It gives explanations. It gives examples. And you'll realize it can get very dense and complicated. It's a lot to try to remember. It's too much to like try to teach... In my opinion, it's too much to try to teach a child in a single year, but you can start incorporating things like that. Um, You might want to give it as a gift to a teacher. It's a relatively easy read. So if the teachers at all has any amount of free time and is willing to put some time into that, it's pretty easy to start getting through. And then it's a good like reference book. Like it's something you can keep going back to and flip through. I definitely would recommend a physical copy of it because you wanna be able to flip around a lot and put tabs or something, <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, so a, a teacher can develop this. There's also some great programs that do teach these rules explicitly. So like that one, Uncovering the Logic of English by, by Denise, Ide. she's created a whole curriculum or with a team has created a whole curriculum called Logic of English. And actually there's two curriculum options there. There's a younger grade, Foundations, and an older one, Essentials. They go through all of those rules. Um, There's another company, All About Learning. They have All About Reading and All About Spelling. There are two programs, um, obviously not for younger and older. In this case, it's two separate programs that you just do both. Um, And they go through these same rules. I'm not positive if they go through all of the 31, but they go through... They do go through them, and I'm expect, I, I believe that they basically go through all the same rules, maybe in a different order, maybe there's not the same number of them because they combine things or separate things or something, but they're there. They do teach those same concepts, so there are programs out there that are very easy to use and implement, and everybody can learn how to spell, and it doesn't have to be a memorize these 20 words this week and these 20 words next week and these 20 words the next week. And now you better start putting all of those into your writing and you're going to get graded on that in your writing also. Like think about that, like just backing up to another problem. Like the kid has, is already getting graded on their spelling every time they do a writing assignment, right? Big red spelled correct. Like then, so they're already getting graded on that. It's already being assessed in their everyday writing or in their big writing assignments. And yet you're still sending home lists that they have to memorize. And they, it's too much. Okay. So. Takeaway. Takeaway, Kimberly can really rant about spelling. This was a much longer video than I meant for it to be. I apologize. Much longer episode, I should say, than I meant for it to be. I apologize. The takeaway for this week is that there are, that traditional weekly spelling tests are unfair. They're ineffective, but we can and should teach spelling. We can do better. So I gave you problems. I gave you temporary solutions in terms of accommodations that you can ask for on your child's IEP or 504 and also some suggestions for moving forward and actually teaching your child how to spell. So especially if you homeschool your child, all about reading and logic of English. Well, definitely all about reading is designed as a homeschool curriculum. I think logic of English, I'm not sure which way they designed it. They have, they definitely market to both homeschoolers and public schools. Um, so those are some good options. They're not the only, great options. I know others exist. Those are the ones I'm most familiar with. Um, So it's easier for me to give those as a point to begin. They're also the ones that I do see recommended the most. So, if you want to use something else, I'm not saying that they are necessarily the very best. Um, In fact, spelling mastery is very highly rated and I'm very interested in looking into it, but I don't personally own it currently yet. Um, also Jolly Phonics is supposed to be very good. And there's some other ones. So there's a lot out there that are really good. Um, and if you want a link for that information, just send me an email and I'll, um, I'll, I'll get you all that information because I do geek out on all of that and I don't wanna to put too many links <laughs> in the show notes. Okay. I will talk to you again next week. Um, send me your questions and concerns. Kimberlyn at DecodingLearningDifferences.com. And until next week, see you later.